This is Warrior Podcast, changing the world by introducing warriors to the warrior god. I'm your host, Elizabeth Andrade, here with Connor Shanahan after so long. Back in the dojo. Back in the dojo. That's what we're calling our studio, but it's so good to be back. So good to be in person recording, just talking. It's just good to be back with friends. It was super nice to have you and Madeline over here. Just enjoy a dinner together and have some fun. Awesome. We missed you guys. Great gifts from the Lord, common grace, good food, good time, good friends, and we're thankful. Thankful for you guys and thankful to be back. Yeah, everybody needs a little bit of that. So we've had some big news in the past week. We have finished the elections. How about that election, huh? <laughs> Crazy. It feels like it's been, I don't know, just the whole year of 2020 has been absolute madness. And this just feels pretty on brand. It's like the cherry on top of a crazy year. Yeah, it is. It is. And the reason why we want to broach this, I guess, see, you know, this topic obviously seems to be controversial. Talking politics gets people riled up. And that's why we want to talk about it. Exactly. Because <laughs> I think that's what everybody's maybe even kind of expecting right now. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but we're here to talk about politics a little bit. Starting off in scripture, of course. We're going to root everything that we do in scripture. And the heart behind this conversation is we know that obviously like we just were, you know, hinting at this has been a crazy year. This has been a tough year for a lot of people. We know that this election has caused some pretty visceral reactions in a lot of people. Some people are a little too happy, perhaps. Some people are way too upset. Some people are way too fearful. So we want to honor that space. We want to recognize the validity of the emotions and and the array of the emotions that are going on. And also, we want to speak to that. And we think that scripture speaks to that. So that's our heart behind this. And And hopefully we can, you know, walk through this together, uniting everything in scripture. Amen. So we're starting off in Philippians 3.20. Let's do it. Okay. This is Philippians 3.20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a quick hitter. That's it. Nothing too crazy. <laughs> Normally we go for that chapter and a half. Remember going through Revelation. Oh, I remember. Like read, yeah, it felt like I read the whole book. <laughs> the whole book. Easy one verse for you. And that's simply how we want to frame this conversation. That our citizenship as Christians is in heaven. We belong to a heavenly kingdom with a heavenly king. His name is Jesus Christ. We know that he rules and reigns over the cosmos. We know that Jesus Christ rules and reigns over all things. And that will never change. So that being said, while it's valid to definitely have feelings about the election, um, we can hopefully ease some of those maybe negative emotions or maybe overzealous emotions by reminding ourselves that this earth will pass away. I mean, our citizenship is in heaven as Christians. Absolutely. Yeah, this earth will pass away. America will not last forever. America is not the dynasty that will carry on throughout the eons, right? We know that just like every superpower before us here in the United States of America, one day our time will come because one day all of our times will come and we know that the Lord Jesus Christ will reign and rule forever. So certainly that's just the framework that we want to have as we consider politics, as we consider current events, that having an eternal perspective, I think is what the Lord would, would invite us into realizing that, like you said, it's valid to feel these things. Of course, we need to be involved in them and we'll talk a little bit more about what that looks like. But in all those things, our perspective is to be eternal, is to be big picture, is to be constantly remembering and reminding ourselves that Christ is on the throne. He's never going to fall off the throne. He's never going to forget how to rule that our King Jesus who rules and reigns over all things. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. He will hold the whole universe together and he will hold your life together. So speaking about politics, where does it come from? Yeah. As we talk about this, what is politics? Let's frame it through this lens. I think this is fascinating. The word politics, where we derive it from, is from the Greek word polis. 
and how the Greeks would understand this word polis, they would essentially define that as like, that's how they viewed their, their city-state, okay? So the Greeks back in the day would have these city-states that were essentially like states, essentially like small countries, but really how they would view them would be extended families. They would have such intense loyalty to their city-state. There would be such a concern for the people in their city-state. And so for them, what polis was, what politics was, was trying to order the flourishing of their family. Even if they disagreed? Even if they disagreed, even like their, their loyalty to their city-state was, was unreal. And as they were considering these things, it's like, what does it look like for us to flourish as a family? For this little kingdom here, our city-state, what does it look like for us to flourish? What does it look like for us to order things and to structure things to, again, facilitate the flourishing of our family? And I think that that's a solid definition. I think that coincides with how the scriptures would define God's design for politics. Right. I was just about to ask you, is there anything like, does it have ties to the Bible politics? Yeah. I mean, if we frame it through that lens, I think it does. I mean, if you hear the word politics and you think Republican versus Democrat civil war, that's not going to be co-signed by the authors of scripture. We're not going to be family members in in that scenario. Correct. But as you warrior, if you've been with us through the story of the Bible series that we went through, you know that God's design for all things is been ordering his family, ordering his kingdom and using his family and his kingdom to participate in his grand redemptive mission to make all things right in the world. And so through that lens, absolutely God cares about politics. Absolutely that understanding of politics is rooted in scripture. I think we see this everywhere. I think from the beginning, God created, as we've discussed in the story of the Bible series, God created a wonderful paradise and created Adam and Eve, created humans to reign and rule over his creation as his representative, right? We've talked at length that that's what it means to be made in God's image, is to be God's representative, his ambassador here on earth. Adam and Eve were given the charge to uh, reign and rule, to subdue creation, uh, to be fruitful and multiply. And so you see this kind of familial kingdom language from the beginning, that really Adam and Eve's job was to facilitate the flourishing of the garden was to make the rest of the world flourish and exist in this shalom, this perfect, peaceful state, just like the Garden of Eden did. So in that sense, Adam and Eve were serving as in somewhat of a political role. They were being stewards of God's creation, of God's ecosystem. And, and we see that throughout the rest of the scriptures, that, that God had called humanity to lead. God had had over several points throughout Israel's history. God has ordained institutions has ordained leadership in order to accomplish this goal of, of ordering society in a way that promotes flourishing, in a way that restrains and defends against evil in the world. Yeah, and we have a scripture that we love at Warrior God Ministries that speaks to this, which is Romans 13. I know we've talked about this specific passage a few times because it gives us an idea of how police officers are also ordained by God, but it also speaks to governing authorities too, the government body as a whole. So I'll be reading Romans 13, one through five, which says, let everybody be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment upon themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. 
Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. What a perfect passage to summarize God's kind of design for government. Yeah, that hits pretty deep. It hits deep. And and so a few things that we see in that passage is God has ordained institutions to promote order in society, to facilitate human flourishing, and to restrain and defend against evil in the world. And we're to follow these authorities. Yeah, that's something that needs to be said is that institutions are a good idea, right? I think that's a that's kind of a common cultural idea at this moment is questioning the validity of institutions. And I think as Christians, we ought to be firm that institutions in and of themselves, so far as they exist for these things that we see in Romans 13, one, ordering society, two, facilitating human flourishing, and three, restraining and defending against evil in the world. Institutions are a great thing, and that's God-ordained and God-designed. So, of course, in that, we should expect them to be a little bit messy because we live in a fallen world. And I mean, what is an institution other than a group of human beings gathered together working towards a collective cause? So safe to say there's going to be some mess there. There's going to be some super duper mess because human beings are messy as individuals. And when we gather together, we just become all the more messy. So we should not expect institutions to be perfect. But as Christians, we should recognize that they do have a rightful place in God's design. And what we can expect also is that without institutions, our lives would be a lot messier because their primary job is to restrain the effects of evil in the world, restrain this from the sin in the world to minimize the effects of sin. Exactly. That is God's call. And that's our job as Christians to engage in these. We should be engaging in all institutions, whether it's law enforcement, whether it's serving in the military, whether it's local politics, national politics, Christians should be engaging in these missions, whether in official capacities or in non-official capacities. And engaging in these missions should be done through a lens of scripture. Yes, of course. Absolutely. All that we do has to be rooted in scripture, but Um, Yeah, unofficially or officially, Christians should be working towards the means of ordering society, facilitating human flourishing, and restraining and defending against evil. Okay, so I do have a question for you. This idea of institutions and governments, do you think that it was something that God put into place because of sin? Or do you think that it's something that he always wanted for, for us? That is a great question. I think... This is not gospel, <laughs> what I'm about to say, because I don't know, right? There's there's, there's, there's not really a clear evidence of this in scripture, like a, a verbatim, this is what God wanted. Correct, correct. Um, but I do think we have some solid evidence. And so I'll throw my opinion, again, just my opinion. I think that institutions and government were always part of God's plan because I think that's what we see Adam called to do. I think we see Adam's role in Genesis chapters one and two. Adam and humanity were called to serve as God's representative here on earth. We're called to be fruitful and multiply in the garden. We're called to rule and and reign over the earth. We're, We're called to subdue the earth around them. And I think in this framework of understanding politics as a means of ordering and facilitating human flourishing, I think that's what Adam was called to do on behalf of mankind. So that is a fascinating question. And I'm sure we could probably do a whole series on that. Probably. But I think I think the point there is, is crucial that from the beginning, God has invited humanity to participate in his grand redemptive story to make all things right in the world. That's the gospel. That's the story of the Bible. That the triune God has invited human beings to participate in his grand redemptive story. That's the gospel. 
And I think that's, in a sense, if we are holding a biblical worldview and if we're looking at politics through this lens, I think that's that's what we're called to do. We're called to participate in God's mission. We're called to facilitate human flourishing. We're called to work towards restraining and defending against evil. So being involved in politics is, as long as we're doing it in a biblical way, is um, accepting the invitation of participation. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And then one last point I want to make on this is just to recognize that we are in a very privileged position living as citizens in the United States to be able to talk about this. That's a fact. Right. That is a big fact that we know that there are and obviously have been governments and institutions that have epitomized what it looks like for human beings to be inherently evil, right? Inherently wicked. And so we want to honor that and we want to just recognize our privilege, I think, in this conversation. And I want to say that that this what we just read from was was from Romans 13 right so Romans is Paul's letter to the church at Rome at this time the ruler of Rome was Nero who some people if you go back to our revelation podcast some people don't some people think he was the antichrist yes if you're an amillennialist if you you know there's different there's nuance right you can go back and check out that podcast. yeah go back <laughs> just go fight with me back then i don't want to fight with you right now there are there are many people within the amillennialist camp that believe that nero himself was was the antichrist that whenever scripture is talking about the antichrist that's nero and he's the ruler of this government mm-hmm. that paul is writing about and where paul is saying submit to them honor them as a legitimate institution that's scandalous yeah paul was eventually killed by this government yeah as a martyr it's scandalous so often we forget as christians how scandalous our lives are we are to be a people uh, we're not to be a people of power we're not to be a people who take over the world and form this christian government and make everyone else submit to us what did jesus do that's exactly what the jews thought that jesus would be some military ruler right the king from david's throne that would come and slaughter rome slaughter everyone else and make israel the greatest nation ever and he did the exact opposite He served. He gave his life up because we are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. Yeah. Well, and and two, in the Bible, um, even in situations where the government goes clearly against what scripture says, we're not called to be angry and violent about it. We're called to respectfully disregard those certain things that go directly against the Bible. Yes, absolutely. And one of those clear ones that people will always reference, and I think should always reference, is in Acts chapter 5 where some of the apostles are after Jesus has been resurrected, after the the apostles and disciples have been empowered to carry out the mission of Jesus, the Roman government doesn't like that, and other governments don't like that. And so they start to tell the disciples to politely, just kidding, not politely, they, shut their mouths, yeah. right? And they forcefully start to, tell very them. Very forcefully tell them to shut their mouths, and, and the, the disciples and the apostles are beaten. And there's this classic, amazing zinger given by Peter where he says to this government who tells him shut up stop talking about Jesus Peter responds whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God you decide but we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard and after he says that he's beaten and after he's beaten he rejoices he rejoices that he was counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ And so, like, we do absolutely want to create space and declare that, of course, Christians are called to obey God more than they're called to obey government. But even in that situation that that we see there in Scripture where Peter obeys God and he tells the government officials, listen, I have seen this man, Jesus Christ, I've seen him risen from the dead. 
I'm not going to stop talking about him. I believe that he is the Messiah, that he is the only way to heaven. And then he's, he's beaten. He receives the punishment that he's given, and he submits to that punishment. And he even, he even rejoices at the fact that he's counted worthy to suffer at the hands of government for Jesus Christ. So, yeah, our, our opposition to government does not look violent. I think that we are to be a people who submit to God. So speaking more on a practically for us, what is our role as individuals? So hopefully we've covered a little bit of big picture, right? A bit, a little bit of big picture of what perhaps God's design for politics is, what it looks like for us to view politics through the lens of the means of ordering society, facilitating human flourishing, and restraining and defending against evil in the world. Um, and I think that those are very biblical things. I think we see that in Romans 13. I think we see that in Genesis. I think we see that everywhere. Now, for Christians who, who are living now in 2020 in this cultural moment, right, what does it look like for us now to process the results of this election and to move forward as God's people? What is our obligation? If we agree with everything that we've said to this point, what more can we do? What can we do? And I think that there is you know, one or two more passages of scripture that would speak to us in this moment. And hopefully that would encourage us in this moment as well. So one of them is Second Timothy 1, seven, which says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's so good. And uh, other translations will say that, that God did not give us a spirit of fear, right? Fear, timidity. And let's just be honest, right? I've seen a lot of Christians express fearfulness and anxiety and hurt and hurt at the fact that Joe Biden won the election. Guys, I don't think that's right. Christians, I I don't think that we have any reason to be afraid. Mm -hmm. Well, we just want to say like those feelings are definitely valid as we talked about in our very first podcast. What a throwback. (laughs) Go back and listen to number one. It was a good one. It was a classic. Um, Processing and talking (laughs) through emotions. Well, something that you said, Connor, in that podcast was that Feelings are valid, but they're not always true. Yes. And thank you for introducing that and for reminding us of that truth, because that is how we should process this, right? Those feelings are valid. Those feelings of fear and anxiety, they're valid. They're understandable. They are a natural reaction within our human experience. It's a human reaction that we have to realize where does it come from and take it back to scripture. Yes. Very well said. And I think because of the passage that you just read, because of Paul's charge to us in Second Timothy 1, 7, the invitation of Christ would be to lay that fear at his feet, right? Yeah. The invitation of Christ would be to lay that anxiety at his feet. And remember that we're citizens of heaven. Right. We have a heavenly perspective in this. We have our guy. We have our king. We know Jesus is victorious. We know Jesus wins. And we know also more specifically that Jesus is sovereign over the results of this election. We know that God is in control. And because of that, the invitation then of Christ is to lay that that fear and that anxiety, that naturally occurring part of our human experience, fear and tension and timidness and frustration, to lay those at, at the feet of King Jesus, to trust his sovereign plan and, and to radically follow Christ as we cling to the fact that we are citizens of heaven. We have another scripture too for this moment, which is 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 3, which says... I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for the kings and all those in authority. That way we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and it pleases God our Savior. So as we process these emotions, as we process, honestly, what's been a, a wild year and what has concluded a wild and contentious year, and as we process that, right, 
and as we seek to to process our valid feelings and also cling to the truth of, of God's word, what else are we to do as individuals? We are to pray. We are to be a people of prayer. And we are to pray for President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. And we are to pray for our nation. We are to pray for God's word and God's kingdom to be multiplied, to be made known, and to come here to earth. We know that it will. And uh, we have the privilege now of participating in that in that mission, regardless of whether we're disappointed in the results of this election or whether we're excited about it. We have the privilege to pray for our leaders. We have the privilege to participate in God's plans here in the United States and around the world. And, uh, and that's the invitation. Yeah. On the day of this podcast airing, we know Veterans Day has passed, but we just want to also take a moment to honor veterans and those who have served this country. And I want to ask you if you would pray for our veterans out there who are listening. Absolutely. I would love to. And we'll, we'll wrap up this podcast with a little double whammy, right? We'll pray for our leaders. We'll pray for our nation. And uh, we'll pray and honor the veterans who have served so bravely. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this moment. And for this opportunity to speak freely about your word, about your glory, your goodness. We thank you for your kingdom. We thank you for our citizenship that will never change as citizens of heaven. And we thank you, King Jesus, for how you do rule and reign over all things. I pray that you would help us to trust in you. I pray that you would relieve us, that you would relieve your family, your kingdom, your followers, your children of our fear and anxiety. I pray that you would comfort us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would draw near, that you would make yourself known, and that you would bless us, Lord. We pray for President-elect Joe Biden and his Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. We pray that you would give them wisdom as they transition into positions of authority in our country. We pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would save them, that you would reveal to them your, your goodness and your glory, that you would reveal to them the beauty of Jesus Christ that you would reveal to them the sufficiency of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for the salvation of mankind. We pray that you would make yourself known, and we pray that you would give your church blessing and favor under this administration. We pray that, that, that your message would flourish, that your church would flourish. And we pray again that you would alleviate fear from Christians that, that, that are nervous about this space, Lord, that, that you would remind us that your church and your message has always multiplied greatest under times of persecution, under times of stress, that we, your family, your kingdom, we're not meant to be a people of power here on earth. We're meant to be a, a people of the gospel. And I pray that you would help us to proclaim the gospel uh, freely and with boldness. And Lord, as we consider our country, as we consider our nation, we can't help, especially with Veterans Day being this week, we can't help but thank you and praise you for the courageous and brave men and women who have sacrificed their lives for freedom, for the freedom that we have to be able to proclaim your gospel, to be able to go to church freely, to be able to live and move and have our being here. We thank you, God. We thank you. We pray that you would bless them. We pray that you would bless the families of veterans. We pray that on this day that they would experience you, your presence, your working, your ministry in their lives. We pray that you would make known to them the salvation available to them through Jesus Christ. We pray all these things through the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to us. If you want to trust in Christ, or if you want to learn more about making Him the authority over your life, or if you want to learn more about us, send us a message on our Instagram at WGMHQ. That's WGMHQ. We will make sure that someone gets in touch with you.
This has been Warrior Podcast with Connor Shanahan. Warrior God Ministry's mission is to change the world by making disciples among military members and first responders and equipping them to be disciple makers and missionaries in their respective communities for the glory of Jesus Christ.